Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. There's something that, that I wanted to do right at the start of this message. Ten years ago, uh, we had a, a, a church conference. It was called Empower Conference at the time. And uh, I, I believe that that was the first conference that we held at church, or one of the first ones in 2012. And uh, in the middle of worship in, in that conference, just this, God dropped this word onto my spirit. He just put, put this word in my heart. And it was surprising to me because... Um, Growing up and in school, I was, I was never big into to English and literature, and I probably read, you know, maybe five books growing up that I didn't have to for school, you know, and, um, and poetry was never a thing that I was excited about. In fact, probably the opposite. I dreaded in English class when we had to, to read poetry or, or um, learn about it, but, but God, God put these words into my heart during worship, and I just, I sat down, and I opened up my notebook, and I just wrote this entire thing, and I mean, maybe there's like a few little edits and changes that happened after that, but, but 95% of what I'm about to read to you was just deposited in my spirit in, in one moment, and, um, and this is the beat of war. Faintly, it begins, a call for which there is no end, the sound it echoes in your heart, compelling you, one set apart. Louder now thump the drums, an invitation not heard by some, a call to serve, to face the fight, to stand against the foe of right. A chill falls down and muscles tense. Your soul awakes with heightened sense. Eyes look to the coming storm and see the faces battle-worn. A hesitation, a paused respite, sneaks in your mind a stirring fright. Then powerfully rises as never before, a thunderous refrain, the beat of war. All doubt is gone, any fears have let. Your path is clear and the way is set. A vision now appears to you, a warrior brave and soldier true. The reason why you cannot run or seek to hide as many have done. You see a child, innocent and pure, smiling, laughing, safe, secure. A passion, a drive, this picture does implant, to be strong and strive for those who can't. The calling you feel has a familiar ring, like one who lives and loves the servant king. I thought it was appropriate to share that on Memorial Day, as we honor Memorial Day, because the truth is that each one of us has a calling from God. And can we thank Nathan, wherever he ran off to, back up on the drums. The question is, do we answer the call? That God, is, God is, has a beating heart for each one of us. And, and can we get into sync with his beat? Can our heart beat the way that his heart beats? Can we hear his call for each one of us? And that's, that's really what this message is about today, is about answering the call of God that uh, we remember and we honor the sacrifice of so many today who have answered that call and paid that price and um, I, was, uh, I was privileged to serve in the United States Air Force for a few years, 
And one of the jobs that um, was assigned to me, I, and I didn't even choose this, but I'm so glad that I was tapped to do this service, um, was to serve on the honor guard for our fallen service members. And I have a picture that we're going to bring up from some of my time serving on the honor guard. And uh, it, it's interesting. So the base that I was at, Wright Patterson, is, a, is an officer-heavy base. Normally, this, this job, the honor guard details, are reserved for enlisted members. But because we had so many officers and we had a huge area of regard that we covered, um, they would tap some officers to, to be a part of it. And so I was, I was fortunately uh, tapped to be a part of this. And in, in this detail, I'm leading the rifle team. At other times, I would be the person uh, that you saw on the video getting down on one knee and handing the flag to the next of kin. And uh, I think of all the things that I did in the Air Force, this is what I remember the most, that impacted me the most. Um, because it gave me the opportunity to, to give back to, to at least the family and the friends of, of those service members. And, you know, I'm grateful for that time and that opportunity. And one of the things that, that I said when I took the oath of office, similar to what Pastor Joy and Jake just did today, is that I would protect our nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I believe that even after I've taken off that uniform, it's still my job to protect this nation and this church against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that I will continue to support and defend the Bible, the word of God in everything that I do. So we have to be, we have to be a church. We have to be a people that's ready to take action. I think about the Border Patrol agent who when shots were fired in a school in Texas this week, he was off duty, but he knew that he couldn't just sit idly by and, and wait for whatever happened to happen. He knew that he had to take action. He knew that he had to go in and thank God that he did to, to end that tragedy as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, there was still a tragic loss of life, but, uh, but he, was, he was a man who was trained and prepared, and he was ready when the call came. Now, Probably none of us will ever be in a situation exactly like that one. We may never have to run into a building with, with guns blazing, but we will have to face battles. We will be presented with an opportunity where we can choose to seek to hide, as many have done, or we can choose to answer the call. We can choose to step up. We can choose to trust in faith that God is going to be with us, that, that we are called to support and defend. We are called to protect. We are called to fight for freedom. So whatever your freedom fight is, be ready, be prepared. The title of this message is Battle Ready. Battle Ready. It is the responsibility of leaders and pastors in this church to prepare all of us for, for any eventuality, for any fight, that we have to be prepared to, uh, to step into battle, whatever that battle is, however we're called to do it. And uh, it's interesting because we're about to transition into that new building in El Cajon next week. And next week just happens to be exactly 50 days to the day after we had Easter services in the parking lot of that building. Does anybody know what 50 days after Easter is? Pentecost. That's right. Pentecost was a time of a release of power. So we're in this period of waiting, of transitioning. Jesus told his disciples, I want you to wait until you have received power. So we've got to be ready. We've got to be ready for power. We've got to be ready for the release. Pentecost is coming. The new building is coming. And we're going to step up into that call. And we need everybody 
ready to be a part of that. But we need to finish strong here. We finish strong in the transition because the end point of, of this location is the beginning point of what God is about to do in that place. And so we don't want to have a huge fall off and then have to pick everything up you know, from the pieces. We want to finish strong, and that will catapult us. It will launch us into this new commencement, this new season in El Cajon. So we in this church right here, right now, we are the front line. We are the ones God has called to step up and face the fight, to face the battles. And there will be some new challenges. There will be some new battles as we take this new territory. One of the things that was so uh, important for the Romans and the Spartans and many militaries throughout history is that right behind the front line, right behind the people that were actively engaged with the enemy, there was rank after rank after rank of people who were ready to step up should the need arise. They, they were ready to fill every gap. They had the same uniform. They had the same training. They had the same heart. They had the same orders. And that's what we need to emulate as the church, that, that there's going to be times and seasons when all of us will be on the front lines, that we will be the ones actively picking up our shield and defending with faith, taking the sword of the Spirit to the enemy. And then there's going to be times where each of us needs to rest. We need to, we need to step back that we can't be actively fighting it, it constantly for all of our lives, that we need to have those periods of, res, of rest and respite, but we also want to be uh, in, in understanding that somebody is ready to step up because it, it's so hard for a faithful servant, a faithful soldier to, to, to step back from his post or her post if, if they don't see somebody else that's ready to fill it because they feel like the job is not being met, the job is not being done. And we don't want anybody to feel like that. So that's why we need everybody to step up, to take those periods of preparation, to step into battle when you need to, when you see that hole that needs to be filled, and then to rest when you need rest, to know that there's somebody else behind you that's going to come in and support you when you need support and take over for you when you need that as well. And Paul saw this at the end of his journey, at the end of his mission, in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12, Paul's final instructions, he says to Timothy, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of tr for the true faith. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before so many witnesses. Today I want to kind of highlight and focus on three battles that, that each one of us will have to face. And it may not be battles that you're expecting or thinking about, but they're battles that are critical for us as individuals and also for us as the church. That united we stand together, but each one of us has to tackle some demons on our own. Each one of us will have to face a giant of our own. And so we've got to be ready for that. And these battles, as I share them, they're going to be of increasing importance. It, they're all needed, they're all necessary, and they all affect each other. But there's certain things that, that are of greater importance than others. So I'm going to start off with the beginning, the battle for the body. The battle for the body, which is the flesh. And, and while this may be of the least importance, it's, it is significant because if we can win these early battles, if we can win perhaps the, the battles of lower importance, then it sets itself up. It sets, it sets us up for the, the larger battles that will come. 
As we step into El Cajon, as we step into this new building, we know that there's going to be some resistance. We know that the devil is going to try and, and stop what this church, what God is planning to do. And we've seen that in other campuses as well. It's interesting, um, you know, after, after the initial shock of COVID subsided and we started to prepare of meeting back together again, as the Word of God instructs us to, that we, we came together as, as churches and, um, and for us, it was, it was a unique situation because we had been meeting in a high school, and the high school was still locked down and closed, and we couldn't go in there. So we were looking for a place. We were trying to find a home to, to gather together. And, uh, and what we came up with, the best thing option at the time, was to move into the parking lot of the El Cajon building that we're about to occupy. So we, we pitched a tent. We had service for eight, nine months in the parking lot of that. And it was a lot of manual labor. It was a lot of hard work. And the teams were just phenomenal in everything that they did with that. But I will say that we probably didn't encounter as much spiritual resistance as maybe some of the other campuses. Um, several other places, other campuses that we have, they were getting cease and desist orders from the city almost weekly, threatened for, for lawsuits, threatened for shutting down, threatening for, for removing our, our nonprofit status, threatened with all of these things. But we knew that we had to persevere. We knew that we had to hold. And so there was some heavy spiritual resistance and heavy spiritual warfare connected with us remaining open. We didn't see that as much at our campus. Um, but I know that as we step into the, this new building, that the devil's not going to be happy about it. He's not going to be happy about the impact that we're going to have in that region specifically, right in the center of El Cajon. So we don't need to be scared, but we need to be prepared, prepared for the fight, battle ready. So Romans 7, 18, 19 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Ouch. That is, my, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anybody else feel like they have this wrestle inside of them? I know that I do. There's this wrestle between what you want to do, what you know is right and know is good, and what you wind up practicing. And, and there's this, this constant struggle and this constant recorrection. And, uh, and, and it's, it's something that is innate within all of us. Nobody escapes this battle. Nobody escapes this conflict, this internal struggle. But thank God for Jesus that he has provided a solution. We still have to battle. We still have to walk out the fight. We still have to decide to put down the flesh. And, um, you know, my, my stomach would be overjoyed, be pleased if I ate donuts every day, even multiple times a day. It would be more than happy for, for every meal to have a donut. They're delicious. Who, who wouldn't want to eat donuts every day? But I know in my head that if I did that, there would be consequences. It's so interesting, the flesh always goes after things that, that might provide some immediate gratification, but in the long run, it's not going to be good for you. In the long run, it's going to put you in a state that's far worse than where you were to begin with. The flesh has a longing, it has an, a, a yearning for things that will not produce good results in you. Now, I'm not saying that donuts are bad. I'm not saying that you have to be religious about it. Far from it. I love donuts. I just don't eat them every day. I make that choice, I make that decision, and partly because I want to still be able to move around the soccer field a little bit, but we have to have balance in our life, that, that certain things are appropriate in certain measures, certain things are not appropriate in any measure, 
You know, and we have to, to struggle and wrestle against that. And it's, it's, it's personal for each one of us. Every single one of us is going to have a different desire, a different longing. We have to decide, using, using the Word of God as our, our model, what's good and what's not good. If, if the Bible says it's not good, then that's pretty clear. But there's a lot of stuff that's like, it doesn't explicitly say it. That's where we need help. We need, we need discernment. We need good friends. We need people in our lives that are going to help us make those right decisions. And again, it's, 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 not, like, it's not the most important thing. And in fact, um, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, it does, it does provide some context for, for what is good. Verse 7, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Can somebody say irrelevant conspiracy theories? <laughs> Instead, train yourself up to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. What is the giant in the flesh that's in your way? What's the giant in your life that's keeping you from accessing the full call of God? What's the giant in your life, like Goliath, that keeps walking out into the valley, challenging you every morning and evening, every morning and evening, every morning and evening? It takes the heart of somebody like David to step up and silence that giant. He may, he may not have been physically able. His, his statistics, his stature, what he was capable of may not have measured up to, to Goliath, but he had something on the inside of him that convicted him. It convinced him that that flesh was not going to win the day, that that flesh was not going to be the voice that triumphed, that something in his spirit rose up and enabled him to do things that are not naturally possible. But it's because that he put the flesh down. It's because that he trained himself up. It's because that he was prepared. He was battle ready. He had fought against the lion. He had fought against the bear. And he had prevailed with God in his life. So what can't you do without? What is the, what is the fleshly challenge, the fleshly battle that each one of us is facing? I like sleep as much as the next guy. And uh, I don't really want to get up at zero dark 30 on Tuesday morning to come to men's prayer. But I know that there's power attached to it. I know that if I can put my flesh down, if I can not hit snooze one more time on my alarm clock, that I, if I can step up and, and come to prayer and make that decision to, to not listen to my flesh, but listen to what God is telling me, listen to my heart, listen to what he's speaking to me, then I know there's the availability for power. I know that there's the opportunity to bless somebody else. I know that I'm going to be trained. I'm going to be developed. I'm going to be prayed up as well. And I need that. I need that. And I need to be a part of what we're doing. I need to be a part of seeing other people, other men specifically at men's prayer, put on the full armor of God to access the power and the gifts that they have been given, to find their voice so that they can start praying for their family and their friends and for this church. So how do we achieve victory? Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. We are all faced with temptation. That's why he teaches us to pray, Father, lead me from temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So if we stop for just a minute, then I know that each one of us, we can identify weaknesses in our flesh. We can identify weaknesses in our body. And that's the first step, identifying the weakness. And from there, physical training is good. It's profitable. Self-control is even better. Accessing the fruit of the spirit through self-control. Tools like prayer and fasting. Now that's how you take down giants. That's how you defeat the flesh each and every time. 
no matter what fleshly giant steps up in your way, if you will dedicate yourself prayer and fasting, then you will defeat that thing, that it will not have power over you anymore. We have to be disciplined about it. These are not easy things to do necessarily. And it's, it's, it's differing levels of difficulty for each one of us. And there's not a one-size-fits-all solution, but the Bible does give us keys. And even more than that, there's some tools in the next battle that we'll face that will help us win this one as well. The next battle, the battle for the soul. Battle for the, for the soul. There's two terms in the Bible that are used to describe the soul. One in the Greek is psyche, which is uh, mind, will, and emotions. And another one is nefesh, and that's the Hebrew. And it, it means breathing creature or animal. In Genesis 2-7, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being, nefesh. So if you think about um, the body you know, as an organism, like a, a plant, it's, the plant is a living being. It needs water. It needs sunlight, CO2 to, to survive. Most of the cases, it needs soil as well. There are certain things that, that are required for this organism, a plant, to be alive. But then if you go a step further up the food chain and you look at animals, there's the addition of the mind, the will, the emotions. There, there's the addition of this soul. And it's obvious through the days of creation that, that it starts off with the simplest things, but the necessary things, and then it gradually gets more important and more complex. That the, the plants were created before the animals because the animals needed the plants to survive. But there's something even greater about human beings. There's, there's a step above just animal nature, animal instinct. Even though they still have a soul, in Job 32.8, it says, but there is a spirit within people that the breath of the Almighty within them that, that makes them intelligent. There's an intellect that, that humans have been given as we're made in the likeness and the image of God that he has, he has put intelligence on the inside of us. So we actually exist at the top of the food chain, not because we're physically bigger or stronger or more powerful than animals, but we have the ability to think, to reason, to understand, to grow, to, to protect ourselves where the animals can't necessarily do that. They, they do have a mind, will, emotions, Dogs have an emotional indicator on their backside. If it's up and wagging, they're happy. If it's tucked between their legs, they're, they're sad or they're afraid. If it's sticking straight out, they mean business. You know, dogs have emotions, dogs have a mind, but they don't have the intellect that people do. Well, maybe there's some exceptions, but. But humans do exist at the top of the food chain. You've always heard mind over matter, right? That, that we can convince ourselves in our mind to do things that our, our body doesn't want to do. When, it, when I'm playing soccer and maybe we're on the attack and, and we're getting close to scoring, and so we press all the way up, and then all of a sudden there's a turnover. The other team gets the ball, and, and they take off on a breakaway. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I should get back on defense. But in my body, my body is feeling, well, I just ran all the way up here. I don't want to go. I don't want to run all the way back. And my mind's like, I don't care. Get your butt back there on defense. And so I put my head down, and I tell my muscle, muscles to start moving, and I get myself back on defense. So we can do the things in our mind. We make that victory in our mind, and then we overcome the desires, the nature of the flesh. And in sports and other situations, whenever somebody does that, whenever somebody overcomes what seems naturally reasonable or possible, we say that that person has heart. 
that they have heart. They have the ability to overcome. There's just, there's this, there's something special. They have an X factor. They have a, a, a passion. Something inside of them allows to do immeasurably or measurably more than what is typically expected. You see, the heart is the center of a person's thoughts. Wait, the heart is the center of your thoughts? Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Matthew 12, 34, for the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That the heart is actually the center of our emotions. It's the center of our knowledge from right and wrong. Our conscience flows through the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the battle for the soul is really the battle between head and heart. So that's why we have to train up our thoughts. We have, to, we have to focus on what is good, on what is right. We have to discipline our, our minds and discipline like the, like the same way we discipline our bodies. We have to train our minds to think the way our heart thinks. We have to, we have to make it second nature. Throughout the military, most militaries in the world, they'll, they'll train for as many eventualities as possible so that when somebody gets into a situation, they don't have to go to a playbook. They don't have to, to consult their, their officers or their leaders in most cases. It's just a natural reaction. It's an instinct that takes over. But it, 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 for us in the church and the battles that we have to face, the instinct can't just come from our heads. That we have the intellect, which sets us apart from other animals. But even more than that, we have to rely on the spirit of God that is within us. We have to rely on his presence that comes from the heart. I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've made a promise to myself that when my kids disobey and are acting up that I'm not gonna yell at them. I'm not gonna yell at them. I'm gonna be that model parent that you see on TV sometimes that doesn't yell at their kids but just gently corrects them and guides them and sets them on their way merrily and happily with a smile. Can't tell you how many times I've lied to myself. And I've actually put into practice the thing that I didn't want to put, put into practice. I know what is right, but for some reason I keep doing what is wrong. I keep reacting out of those emotions, especially when they do that thing that they know they're not supposed to do, and they keep doing it after three, four, five. How many times do I have to tell? How many times do I have to I'm just kidding. It's okay. It's okay. There was this time I was working in my garage, and um, it, was, it was shortly after we moved into our house about three years ago. So Dylan was three years old, and, and there's a bunch of boxes stacked up all over the place and, like, kind of not very safe. And, and, uh, and he was playing, and he started climbing up, and I said, Dylan, don't climb on those boxes. Don't go up there. And I get busy doing what I'm doing, and then I look over, and he's starting. I was like, Dylan, do not climb up on those boxes get busy doing what I'm doing, I'm distracted, you know, so my, my mind is busy doing something else, and then all of a sudden I look over again, and he's sitting on the top of all these boxes, and I turn, and, Dan! and right when I yell at him at the top of my lungs in this perfect speaker, the concrete floor in the garage, my neighbor walks around the corner, <laughs> and I see him, like, physically jump, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, because I know in that moment, he's probably thinking, who is this psycho crazy man. I feel sorry for his children. Maybe I'm the only one who's ever been in a situation like that. We still haven't got them to church. Even after, so maybe like six months ago, he, he came over. We still have a great relationship with him. Uh, we talk to him all the time. About six months ago or so, he, he came over and he said that, um, that he'd gone on for a doctor's appointment and they had found uh, a, a, 
a cyst or a tumor or something in him and that they believe is cancerous. And he was asking for prayer that um, there was kind of two options of surgery. One was kind of really invasive that he didn't want to do. And he was asking for prayer that, that it would be the other option, the easier solution. And something just, a word came on the inside of me and, and I started to pray for him in that moment. And I prayed that, um, that no surgery would be needed at all. That this thing is benign, that there's no cancer there, that it is defeated in Jesus' name. And I, I went into to my desk and I, I got out a note card and I wrote on there that, that Mike is healed of cancer. And I put it on the wall and, and put it on my vision board. And wouldn't you know it, about two weeks later, he came back after an appointment. He said, you'll never believe this. They said, there's no cancer in that thing. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I still can't get him to church. <laughs> Ephesians 4.26 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Maybe one of the solutions for me is just to always pretend that there's a grandfather walking around the corner whenever I'm disciplining my children. It's true, we do, we do say things differently if other people are around. Maybe we just need to always pretend that, that somebody's listening in on how we parent. Somebody's always watching when we pick up that thing that we're not supposed to pick up, when we watch that thing that we're not supposed to watch, when we, when we release control over to the flesh. Truth is, somebody is always watching. Your Heavenly Father. And it's not to bring condemnation. It's not to bring judgment. Every single one of us faces these battles. Every single one of us has the opportunity to find solutions in him, to find comfort in him. What is your battle? What cycle are you caught in, in your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the pattern, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The key to the battle over the soul is a heart transformation. Now these other battles, most of it is something that we can do. Most of it is something that we can put into practice. Most of it is something that we have control over. But there's certain battles we just can't do it on our own. There's certain battles where we need help. The battle of the spirit, a supernatural battle. We are a three-part being, a representation of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So too, we have a body, our physical being. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we have a spirit. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We have to love God with everything that we are. And this, this battle, the most important battle, is a battle for the spirit. This is where the real fight is. This is where we encounter spiritual problems. And there's no mental or physical solution for spiritual problems. Now, if you train up your body and you train up your mind, it can help you win the battle over the spirit. It can support it can remove some avenues that the enemy would normally be able to attack you, would normally be able to take you down. So absolutely, the things that we do in the first two battles can support us in the spiritual battle. But there's some things that, that cannot be remedied in the natural. It takes a supernatural solution. You cannot medicate a demon. There are some battles where you need 
power from above. There are some battles where you need authority that goes beyond you. I think about this school shooting that just happened, this tragedy. And whenever things like this happen, there's, there's an outcry for, from certain people around the country, maybe even the world, that says that we should get rid of all guns. We should just remove all guns. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that even if we did that, even if we got rid of every single firearm in this country, there would still be tragedies like this. Terrorists didn't need a gun to fly planes into buildings and kill thousands and thousands of people. Timothy McVeigh didn't need guns to blow up a, a federal building with fertilizer. There will always be a way for evil people to do evil things. So the battle is not in the natural. The battle is against the principalities and powers that are in operation in our age. And that's what we have to fight. Those are the spiritual battles that we win. The reason why that young man went into that school and committed that heinous act was because there was a loss of a spiritual battle in his life. At some point in his life, maybe he was abused, maybe he was neglected, maybe he was on medication and he stopped, I don't know. But I know that there was a loss of a spiritual battle in his life. That we as a church need to be the ones that win those spiritual battles in our life so we can help other people win the spiritual battles in their life. So we can stop tragedies like this from happening. It's the only way. The only way to stop things like that from happening is winning the spiritual battles in us, in ourselves, and then helping other people do the same. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says, living by, the living by the Spirit's power. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That whole wrestle that happens on the inside of it, that which I will to do, I don't do. That which I don't will to do, that I practice. The solution for that is right here. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And underline this, and the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. The desires that God puts in your heart will be opposite of the things that you're not supposed to do. When you listen to that still small voice, when you heed His word, when you train your ear, your mind, your heart to understand what He's saying, then you're in opposition to that fleshly nature. Then you're in opposition to the cravings of the flesh. We have to be prepared to fight the battles that we can fight. We have to be battle ready. But some battles, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. We need supernatural power. What, what does that look like? What, is that, what does that mean? In a word, faith. We have to have faith. Have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart, no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything and if you believe that you received it, it will be yours. Amen. We've got to learn to love our God with all our heart. That gives us the ability to win the battle of our soul between the heart and the mind. And that gives us the ability to win the battle of the flesh. When we start with the Holy Spirit, we end in victory every single time. So why don't we stand up as we close. One of the reasons that this is such an important message for us as the church right now, 
for our campus specifically is that yes, we need to each fight this internal battle. We need to each win these internal battles. And together we're gonna step forward. Together we're gonna advance. But we believe that as we launch into this new building, this new era for East Campus, that revival is coming to El Cajon and revival is coming to East Campus, that we all get to be a part of it. And if we wanna be a part of revival, then we've gotta win the battles on the inside. We gotta win the internal fights. We gotta see God do a transition, a transformation in our own lives. So as we close right now, I'd like to pray with for you and all of us. Wherever you find yourself, maybe, maybe you're in a position right now where you're, where you're fighting the battle of the flesh. You're fighting a physical battle. Maybe, maybe it's a, a health issue. Maybe it's, it's just making the decision to continually say no to the things that you're supposed to say no to and say yes to what God is calling you to say yes. Maybe, maybe you're fighting a battle of the soul right now, this, this wrestle between your head and your heart. Logic would say one thing. Logic would, would indicate this, but something in your heart tells you that's not the right thing to do. Maybe you shouldn't get involved in that business deal. Maybe you shouldn't take that step. Or maybe you should. Maybe God is, is leading you into a place that seems scary. It seems like there's giants, but something on the inside of you knows that you're supposed to go in. Something on the inside of you knows that you are supposed to launch that business. Or maybe your battle right now is a battle of the spirit. Maybe, maybe you find it hard to, to quiet the mind, quiet the flesh, quiet the body, and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe you need to, to join us for men or women's prayer. Maybe you need to, to make that extra step of, of dedication, invest in yourself, and join us at, at the conference. Join us at Revive. Expect that God is going to speak to you in a new and powerful way. Or maybe right now you just need a dose of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need Him to come and fill up a void in your heart that's missing so that you can actually operate out of that overflow. Maybe your, your heart is at half tank right now and you need, to, you need God to come in and, and show you the way to fill it up. He's willing and able. He's ready to come into your heart right now. If that's you, if you're facing in one of those battles, would you just lift up your hand right now? I'd love to pray with you. Hands all over this building. God, I thank you for the victories that you have already won. I thank you that, that your word to us is yes and amen. As we continue to, to rely on you, trust in you, that, that your words are going to come into our heart, your words are going to come into our life, and I thank you for an, an infilling of the Holy Spirit. As, as we prepare over the course of this week for Pentecost, we are expectant that you're gonna move. We expectant that your fire is gonna fall down on us, that we're gonna be able to do things super abundantly over our natural ability, that your spirit is gonna come into us. The gifts and the fruit of the spirit are gonna be evident in us. Signs and miracles and wonders are gonna pour out of us because of your spirit. God, we thank you right now that every person here today is open to receive your guidance in their heart, that they're open to, to training their mind out of the overflow of their heart, that your spirit dwells within us, that you will lead us and guide us, and God, that we can make the day-to-day -day decisions, sometimes the hour-by-hour, minute-by-minute decisions to put down the flesh, to put down the things that are not of you, and to trust in you and trust in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. 
We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.